if you would, turn in your Bible to the book of James. James, you can, it's right there at the beginning, right? We'll be in chapter one. We'll actually be in several parts of James, but James chapter one will be our main uh, portion of reading today. James was the half-brother of Jesus and the, the leader of the Messianic mother church in Jerusalem. He was known as, as a wise peacemaker. And, and even through such wisdom and this desire to make peace, he was martyred for his faith and for his speaking out of his faith. You can learn more about James in the book of Acts uh, in 12 and in 15. You can also hear some about him in the book of Galatians. Um, this, this letter, this is a letter from James, but it's written a little bit differently than some of the letters that we see from Paul that are, that are written uh, to specific churches with specific instructions. This is instead a, a broader letter really written with just like filled with sage wisdom. In fact, you, you might think of this in comparison some with things like the Sermon on the Mount or even the book of Proverbs itself that's just filled with wisdom, with, with practical, uh, wise ideas and concepts. And it's written uh, as, as all of these different concepts. Like, so you, you could look and, and find one part about uh, the way you talk, and you can look about another part about the way you should pray. And so there's, there's different aspects, almost in different sections of the book. Uh, but what I want us to do today is, as, as really the first chapter functions as an introduction to the letter as a whole, I want us to read a portion of the first chapter. So if you'll look with me at verse 22 and following says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. You see, I, I want to give you just a tip. If you were wondering if you were a hearer of the word. Because it tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. I want you to know that if you're in earshot today, you are hearers of the word. I just read it to you. We're going to be explaining different aspects of what, what the word tells us. So the, the difference maker is what you do, do with what you've heard. Okay? So in just a little while, when we leave this place, there will be action steps for you to follow, things for you to implement in your life. And so the question is whether or not you are just a hearer of the word or if you are also a doer of the word. And so as we look to this, we want to see Christ through, in fact, through our action, through our response to his word. First, we do. We, we want 
to do his work. What I mean by that is we want to do the work that Christ has called us to do, the tasks that are set before us. Verse 22, be doers of the word. Church, like this is going to be one of those sermons that if you're not actively serving, actively involved in making disciples, actively caring for your church members and your neighbors and the nations, if that's not something, then be ready for your toes to be stepped on because today is one of those days where the word is calling us to action. So just like Full warning, be doers of the word and not hearers only. You cannot just be a church member who come, I mean, you can, but you won't be a very good one if you just come in here and sit in here and don't do anything else. You're missing it. So I would ask her, are you serving in some way? In fact, when you came in, there should have been one of these on your seat. Okay, so you don't have to to fill it all out now. You can go ahead in preparation. You can write your name and email on it now, if you would like, in preparation for the end of the service. Later, I'm going to to get you to to fill some of this out because we want to, to be doers of the word. And so when we get to the end, we're, we're going to talk more about this specifically, but I read this quote yesterday, which was timely. I felt like it was really good for today. The church is not a cruise ship where a handful of people serve everyone else who is relaxing. It is a battleship where it is all hands on deck and everyone serves on mission. Are you on the battleship or are you just cruising along? Letting everybody else bring you your meal and serve you your food and make sure you have the towel you need. Are you seeing our, like the church as a battleship? We are in a a war against the enemy. And so it's all hands on deck to make all things work for the glory of God. So in this doers of the word, I told you that James is filled with these pockets of, in fact, it's got a lot of good one-liners. You know, that's one thing about James. It's got those verses that you can kind of tuck away and hold on to. In fact, be doers of the word is one of them, right? We stick that one in our, in our head and hold on to that. And there's lots of those throughout this text. So as we think about being doers of the word, I would begin by saying, be quick and slow. Be quick and slow. That seems like an oxymoron until you read James 1, verses 19 through 21. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I want you to to hear this and, and be quick to hear this. I can, I can charge us and encourage us and even give us some practical way in which we can serve. But a, this does not produce righteousness. Our work does not bring that about. Neither does our anger, as this is phrased. 
Righteousness only comes from Christ. And so the, the doing that we are going to be talking about today comes from our uh, love for the Lord and in response to the righteousness he has provided. So, so maybe we ought to be quick to, to look or to listen for opportunities. Do, do not be quick to try and spout out all of the problems that you see around you or nudge the person next to you as though they're the ones not doing enough. Don't be short-tempered because something is being done in a way that you don't prefer. Instead, be meek in your response. I wonder how you're doing, how we're doing in this area regarding differing opinions. There's a lot of differing opinions these days, certainly related to COVID and certain and politically and otherwise. Are you quick to share with everyone on the internet your thoughts on ridiculous opinions that you might have? Yeah, you caught that a little bit, didn't you? Is that, are you quick to, to stare at people who are making a, a different decision than you are and making them feel uncomfortable about the decision that they made that you didn't make that you think is also ridiculous? Are you, are you quick to do that or are you slow? Are you slow to, to speak? Are you slow to, do you have a, a long fuse? Or do you let every little thing, every text message, every Facebook post fire you up all the more? So be, be quick and slow. Also be pure and undefiled. This is a direct quote from verse 27 of chapter one. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I've talked about this several times, but it's worth mentioning again. When it comes to being doers of the word, it is our task as a church to to employ religion that is pure and undefiled. Why would we want any other kind of religion, right? Why would we want a, a type of religion that is filthy, opposite of pure, or defiled, opposite of undefiled? Why would we, why would we want that to be our demonstration? No, of course we would want one that is pure and undefiled in Christianity and in the church at Colonial Heights. We want a pure and undefiled religion. And so because of that, we're to care for orphans and widows. This is specifically talking about caring for those who cannot care for themselves, who need extra help, need extra assistance, and need the church to step up. And so I, I hope and pray that even for you, that, that you're thinking about things like our Hearts of Compassion ministry that supports and provides uh, financial resources to to families who are trying, Christian families who are trying to bring orphans into their home, that they will have a place to grow and hear of Christ. I hope that, that you are looking to your neighbors and looking to your church members and finding those who need extra assistance and whether they are widows or otherwise, and they just need extra help and that you're quick to lend that extra hand. When I, when I think of those kinds of being doers of the word, that doesn't take a checklist. That takes a heart. That takes a compassionate member of a family to look and, and find people, know people well enough. And you say, well, I don't always know people. Well, seek them out. 
Try to meet each other. Learn about each other's needs so that we can say, like, you have a need. I want to help meet that need. Certainly, we want to be as a part of the church staff. We want to help make those needs known so that we can meet those for each other. But you have a, a task then in front of you, not just to, to check a box on a list, but to, to care abundantly. So be pure and undefiled. Also be submissive and flee. You could turn to, to this one. This is a good one for those uh, underline and highlight. Verse, uh, chapter four, verse seven. Quick verse, but it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I was tempted to just say those words. You, you know me well enough to know I usually have to add something, but I don't want to add anything to Scripture. This is plain and simple. It's our task to submit, surrender ourselves to God, and find ourselves following whatever his instruction is to, to follow after his heart, to do what he calls us to do. And in doing that, we will be going the opposite direction of the enemy. You realize that? They're in total opposite direction. When we talk about repentance, we talk about going the opposite way, making a 180, going in a different direction. And so submitting yourselves to the Lord, the, the natural next step is that you will resist the devil. You can't both submit and cling and hold on to the things of the world and the things of the enemy. Resist him and he will flee from you. So be submissive and flee. Be honest and needy. Be honest and needy. I think maybe in some ways, if we're honest, we will display our need because all of us in our truest form are in desperation. James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The King James Version, right? The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. NIV is powerful and effective. Most of us, if you were to ask about this passage, you would know James 5.16b, right? The second part, the prayer of a righteous person is great power, but we, we oftentimes miss the first part where the honesty comes in. I wonder, wonder how that's going. Remember how I said at the beginning, we don't, we don't gain our righteousness by our works. And so when we say be doers of the word, why would we get to this part about confessing sins to one another? What does that have to be, have to do with, with this action steps and, and serving? What does it have to do with that? What has to do with that is, is we want the righteousness of Christ. And con our confession of our sin to one another demonstrates our need for his righteousness. So this isn't telling us just to confess our sins to the Lord, though, is it? 
where it says, confess your sins to one another. Do you do that? Do you openly acknowledge, confess to a brother or sister in Christ that, that you've sinned? I can tell you that uh, I was not good at that. I, I don't know that I'm great at it now, but I was just being honest, that was not a strength of mine. I've been in ministry pretty much my whole life. I've either been the, I'm still the son of a pastor or a pastor in the ministry uh, for all of my adult life and certainly uh, as a kid growing up in the preacher's home and then even as a teenager becoming a youth minister. So there was this expectation that I felt like I, I couldn't share or confess my sin to someone else because they were supposed to be able to look up to me as one who didn't mess up so bad. But I can, I can confess to you that that was wrong. I was, I was incorrect. And I'm so thankful that on pretty much a weekly basis, I sit down with a brother here and confess sin. And that he asked questions at times that I would rather him not ask because it's invasive. I mean, I'm thankful that he does ask, but at the same time, right? It's just, oh, hope he doesn't ask that question today. No, but, but that's, that's part of it. I, I want, so I want that for us. I want us as a church to be a church who has accountability, who has brothers and sisters that you, maybe it is that you haven't been participating in a life group. And so the only interaction you have is what happens at the door in and out of this room. It's pretty hard to know someone at a different level to be able to, to even pose those kinds of questions. So I would, I would urge you, let, let this next Move Up Sunday be the Sunday that you find your place to, to plug in and invest in other people's lives that you might be able to, to have those points of confession. As we do that, we find ourselves on our knees before the, the only God who can hear us and answer our needs. Because as we confess our sins to one another, we will certainly be confessing to the Lord. We, we have things like uh, monthly prayer meetings in this room where we call out to the Lord on the first Thursday of every month. We gather in here to, to call out to God for different particular areas. We have a monthly men's prayer breakfast at the end of the month. We, we have daily prayer requests. If you wanna be on a list of, of requests uh, that are being sent out every day, you can get that by contacting Drew Baum uh, at the church, there's, we will be having, as we begin evening, uh, Sunday evening things, we have quarterly, at least, nights of prayer where we gather together as a church and plead with God. This is doing his word. This is following through. This is calling on the one who actually makes things happen. We surrender to his sovereignty because we need him. Not only should we do his work, meaning do the work Christ has called us to do, but we must remember his work, as in remember the work that only Christ could do. Remember his work. Remember that as we look to chapter 1, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks 
at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Sometimes it's wise for us to remember. Remember the work of Christ. It can be really easy for us to, I talked about being quick and slow. We can be quick to forget, can't we? Everything, there's all kinds of blessings happening. God is moving in miraculous ways. And one thing goes just slightly different than we hoped or planned and we forget all of the blessings. I mean, just the snap of a finger. We've forgotten it all. So I want, want you to hear as James urges us in these ways. He tells us to recall the gifts of God. Recall the gifts of God. James 1, 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Creatures? Hmm. (laughs) Creatures. Thank you all for laughing with me on that one. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. Have you ever experienced something good in your life? Anything. Like some of you are not raising your hands. Let's try it out. Like, whew, you're in air condition, okay? So something's good is happening to you, okay? So, right, this is, this is us. We've experienced that. <clears throat> Guess who gave us that? Every good gift comes from him. Everything. I sent out an email yesterday to the church. You might have received that. I hope you did. It has been an amazing, amazing, like unbelievable at times summer. I mean, in fact, this last year has been that way, but I don't know if, if you realize this, but we sent over a dozen around the world this summer. In a summer when we thought there was like no international stuff happening and we were able to go, we were able to send people all around the world. There's even some in, uh, in Africa right now. We had over 50 of our students participate in a mission trip to Memphis. We are already growing in our weekday program and it hasn't even started yet. Like we have more registered right now than we did last year. And we, we're, we're just getting started, praise God. There were salvations, there were new members, there were baptisms, there was over a dozen who are currently called to the mission field. This, this week, you might not know this, but we have something here called the Timothy Project, which is, uh, equips and trains pastors in many different ways. And we will have over 20 men on campus this week in a leadership cohort being trained and equipped for pastoral ministry. Like All of these things are gifts from God. So when, when the trials come, which we'll talk about in a minute, like recall the blessings of God. Recall the gifts of God when you're frustrated or saddened or disheartened. Remember his work. In addition, reassure the images of God. James 2 it says, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's easy to do. This is right after he had just said, care for or visit orphans and widows. Those that can't care for themselves, right? So he, he then 
reemphasizes this by saying, show no partiality. Don't elevate a certain type of people, a certain caliber of people. Don't elevate someone of a certain skin tone. Don't elevate someone of a certain social class or financial class. I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm most excited about in the weeks to come, there is a new ministry to children with special needs in our church that I am overjoyed about. God is, is providing for us this, this that we will be even describing as our image bearers. They, they're made in the image of God, and I am incredibly excited about this ministry as we seek to care for and provide for uh, members of our faith family and their children and provide for them in unique ways that are, that are set aside for them. And we, we are praying that God would be glorified and that the church would be edified, encouraged as we show no partiality. As we demonstrate that all are made in the image of God and therefore all deserve for us to serve and care for one another well. So be looking for ways that you might even participate in this new ministry. Reassure the images of God, re-examine the sin of man. James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. You ever... We, we've, we've done the thing before where I've said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? You've raised your hand on that one. And if you didn't, I called you out and said, you should probably raise your hand because you're somebody, wake them up, something, right? All of us means all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But James even raises the bar there. He says, not only have you all fallen short of the glory of God, but even if you, if you could not keep all of the law, you have, you're still guilty of all of it. If you've just broken one little part, oh, sure, I raised my hand on that. Like I, I told a little white lie one time, I raised my hand, yeah, sure, I have sinned. But whoa, now I'm in the same camp as everybody that did everything else? Yep. Because there's not even a human being that can tame the tongue. Like this super small, seemingly easy part of us to control, we can't even do that. Cannot keep all the laws, but it's good to know that Jesus did. So when we when we re-examine the sin of man, we're reminded of our wickedness and our neediness of Him, our 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 uh, desperation for the One who never failed. So certainly, we ought to do His work. We need to be doers of the Word but we also need to remember his work. Remember the work that only he can do and we persevere in his work. See, we have to keep going even when it's difficult. This is where verse 25 comes into play. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty or freedom and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, the task isn't just to hear these truths that we're hearing today, being reminded of, but it's to 
and, and to check a box and say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve. Yes, I'm going to step up to the plate, but it's to keep stepping up. It's to keep serving. It's to keep obeying. See, we want to remain steadfast under trial. As it tells us to in verse 12 of chapter 1, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's the easiest time to quit, right? When it's hard, it's uncomfortable, it's unusual, it's challenging, you know, like I don't really know. I think about all of this Olympics. Those Olympians had to go through some stuff, right? They had, to, they had to push forward in unique ways, in challenging ways. And you kept hearing over, because this was delayed a year, you kept hearing that over and over. And they, they pushed through, they persevered through the last year, and, and they finally got here, and, and all that, that, that took place. And so here's the thing, we remain steadfast under trial. When it is hard, we hold fast. Because one day we won't just get to the Olympics. We'll get to the crown of life. So we remain steadfast under trial. We remain with God in need of purity. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Are you drawing near to God? What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Are you finding yourself pleading with him, coming to him once again as the one who confesses your sin before God? Are you finding yourself clinging to the only one who can provide you what you need, giving you the good gifts that you've been given? Remain steadfast under trial. Remain with God in need of purity and remain patient until Christ returns. I want you to turn to chapter 5. There's a portion I want you to hear. Chapter 5, verse 7. As you think about all of this work, that, okay, we're going to take a deep breath and we're going we're to plunge right back in, even though it's difficult, even though it's hard. We're going to, to give God the glory. We're going to serve him. We're going to be doers of the word. So here's what it says in verse 7, chapter 5. And following, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The Lord is at hand. You say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Well, in the scheme of eternity, 2,000 years, the Lord is at hand. It's a, it's a brief flicker 
of time. So he says, be patient. Be patient when it's hard. Things aren't going the way you want them to. Be patient because Christ is coming. I, I can tell you, I know I've mentioned several times now that in September we'll begin a series called His Return. I am I'm more and more excited, even more excited than I was last time I told you about this as we look to a study of understanding and seeing that Christ is going to return and the joy that it comes with that. And so when I, when I think about his return, I do. I think about the battleship because I think I'll, I'll get on a battleship and go guns blazing full speed ahead for, for such a short time. Sure. You know how you say those kind of things? Oh, like I can do anything for a week, right? Or you get on one of those like 30-day diets and you're like, I can do anything for 30 days, right? You say those kind of things, I can do anything for that, that short period of time. And you, you tell yourself that, well, church, hear this. When he says the Lord is at hand, you can do anything for a short period of time. Whatever that, whatever God is calling you to do, whatever he's calling you to sacrifice, whatever he's calling you to surrender, whatever he's calling, because no matter how long it feels, even if it's 70 more years, 80 more years from now, it's still just a blip on the eternal radar. It's a, it's a fleeting, passing moment. So, so persevere persevere in his work and look forward to the day when he comes for his own. I want us to think of ways that we can and ought to respond to these kinds of practical reminders. Okay? I, I thought about one practical way to respond is for some of you who've never trusted in Jesus at all, that today would be that day. That today would be the day that you, you put aside your own ways. You make that 180 degree turn and you turn away from your sin and yourself and, your, and you acknowledge your neediness of him, your desperation of him. You would call upon the Lord for salvation. May today be that day. I mention this often, but as a practical step for that, if you, if you have questions or, or you need help, you need prayer in that matter, right to, I say right to my left, to my left in this door, there will be those who would love to talk to you more, love to answer your questions and pray with you. So when we stand to sing in just a moment, Make your way there. You might receive the guidance or instruction in the word that you need. But I also think about those who are members of Colonial Heights. I think about us taking a step of response through this card. So you can pull this card back out that hopefully you've already written your name and email on. And you might look through this list and say, where are some ways that I could serve? I haven't been serving in a while, or, or maybe I'm currently serving in this area, but I, I think I could, I have enough bandwidth to add a small thing to my list. Something more 
outward, maybe something on the love your community or reaching our world. And there's, there's things there that I could, I could say, I, I could do that. When you, when you fill that out, as we, as we leave this place today, there will be baskets at the doors and you can simply place this in the basket as a way of response and we will contact you as to what that needs to look like. But the thing about this, is there age group ministries you should be participating in or are, uh, are you a great welcomer, right? Someone who would, would be a, a great smiling face, give people directions as to where they go, decision counseling, baptism team. Are you a medical professional that could be a part of the medical team that responds here at the church? Be, be quick to hear the needs and respond to them. Remember, you're on a battleship, not a cruise ship. So it's all hands on deck and we need you to serve. More than needing you though, quite honestly, we need the Lord, right? We need the Lord, right? Right, good. So as we call out to him in desperation, acknowledging that we need him more than we need any of our self or our work or our own resources for every good gift comes from him. So we call out to him and say, Lord, we need you. Would you stand with me as we respond?